Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Listen. Yes, what is it? What do you want? So there's this man, he has a time machine. What kind of idiot would try and steal a faulty TARDIS? Another thing he has is a passion for the works of... All to open. Yes, and what do you do? A blissful and perfect partnership. Nice! You know it's all nice! Sorry, what's going on? I don't understand. Oh, don't be so silent. It's all to open. Please. Please. If there's anyone out there, please. Listen. You have to understand, I don't have time to explain, but they do. They're coming. They're coming to hook your brain. And they will not stop. They go on for season after season after season. They, they go on. Sometimes they're just 45 seconds, but it's, it's like a lifetime of terror in your head. Other times they can last for nine minutes. And then you start to wonder if you'll ever, ever see the opening credits again. Please. Help us. If there's anyone, any, any podcast out there, you have to help us before it's too late, before they're almost here. It's time. Save us. Please, save us from the attack of the cold opens. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open. Yes, that's what you're listening to. It is a random podcast determined to go to every single Doctor Who story in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and uh, we are a couple of guys, a couple of journalists, a couple of people who enjoy watching Doctor Who, and sometimes we can't watch a lot of Doctor Who in a given week. Mm-hmm. And then we do these side quests, uh, which is what we decided to do recently. Uh, Pete, do you want to yeah. catch the folks up on the background of how we got here? Okay, guys, you were probably expecting that we were going to do the Seeds of Death this week. And we have fully intend to do the Seeds of Death, which will be our hundredth story, by the way. But as I think most of you know, the Seeds of Death is six whole episodes of Doctor Who. And that's a decent chunk of Doctor Who to get through. And sometimes life gets in the way. So we thought, well, let's give ourselves a little extra time and do something easy. Let's do something that we could just sort of quickly do for one of our side quests and... (laughs) Boy, oh boy, did we pick the wrong thing if that was the goal, because... We were also inspired here, we should say, we recently went to Ambassadors of Death, which was the the first appearance of what you would kind of call cold opens. Right, uh, yeah. In in their protean form. And uh, it was also the introduction of the scream, or the sting, that introduces all of the new Who cold opens. You know, the, the one sound effect they always keep from the old, uh, the old. Right. When they cut from the cold open to yes. the credits, it's that's yes. the, the sting that you hear. It's yeah. And then you're in the time tunnel or, or Perfect. The Perfect. whatever. I felt version. like I was watching an episode. Right now. <laughs> uh, so cold opens is kind of an interesting topic. We thought, hey, it's going to be super easy. It could be easy in watching three and a half hours or whatever it would be for Seeds of Death. 
uh, three hours of Doctor Who. But no, I did the calculations only after the fact, Pete. And <laughs> I, I discovered that if you assume that every cold open is three minutes, and that's a generous assumption given how long they get in the Matt Smith era, then we have watched, to, to watch all of them, we would we would have to watch like over seven and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> That's TV. true. Uh, now, yes, they're in so, bite sized chunks, but folks, this is how you get stuck on TikTok, right? Watching really short videos, uh, but then you're like, "Oh crap, I've watched three hundred of them." Uh, <laughs> by the way, TikTok.com slash bolt open. Um, you can watch a ton of videos one after the other. You will, yeah. You're welcome. Uh, uh, but yes, yeah, so what we've done is we've watched most of them again. Uh, most, well, many of them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have done a lot of episodes for the podcast and a lot of them are fresh in our memories. So we didn't necessarily do every single one in preparation for this specific podcast. There's also others that are just burned into your brain because they are so good or so bad. Um, so we into our brains because, of course, the Clara Splinter uh, features in it and she shows up every week in our random adventures. So. Very much. Although that yeah. one was a pleasure to re- rewatch. Um, and anyway, we've, we've looked at all the cold opens and we've come up with our list of the best cold opens in Doctor Who history from the entire run, which actually includes the classic series. Cause even though the ambassadors yeah. of death was the only, uh, what well, was the first to do something that was even kind of like a cold open, like they did it a few other times, which, uh, we'll mention at some point, right. uh, the specific instances, but we've come up with the top 10 here. And how did we come up with the top 10? Well, we have certain criteria that I think makes a good cold open. Yeah. So for, to me, to, to us, it's like four things. Uh, so first is brevity. Number one, it should be relatively short. As short as possible. It doesn't necessarily mean a couple of seconds. You should get, it, it, it's like the old Einstein law, right? It should be as simple as possible and no simpler. So, which is to say, the you know, uh, you, you, it should be short, but you shouldn't go on forever, and it shouldn't turn into Act One. Yeah, you don't need to <laughs> be sitting there looking at your watch, going, uh, "What are we doing here?" Uh, also, I mean, it has to tell a story; it has to hook you. I mean, the we we shouldn't go too far without mentioning, and I think I brought it up on the show before, how Stephen Moffat defines a good cold open. Yeah, as we'll see, he kind of learned on the job how you do a good cold open, um, which is that he 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 said he imagines his viewer they're halfway out the door and they're on a date with someone really hot and they've got their hand in their jacket and they're watching the cold open of Doctor Who. How do you get them to take their hand out of the jacket, text their date, <laughs> and be like, "Sorry." Uh, you know, no first date and everything. You probably don't want to see me again, but I got to watch this, right? So that was his standard. And does he right. live up to it? We'll we'll find out. Yeah, definitely. So it should be you know short on the brevity side. It mm. should hook you hundred percent. You have to see what happens next, and I think that's that's probably the the trump card on any of this stuff when you mm. have ties or if you have a doubt. Uh, is it really hooked you? Uh, and to that end, I would say th- to be able to hook you. You kind of have to tell a little bit of a story, right? Like there has to be, 
uh, kind of a scene. There's got to be, you got to understand the characters. You have to understand the situations. You have to understand the stakes. Like all of those are important. And to do that in a relatively short period of time is a challenge. Like you have to use all the tools available to you in television, which is to say you should show more than tell. You need to sort of say a lot with single words of dialogue. Um, so to really sort of achieve that short sort of brevity criteria, it's, it's a really challenging thing to tell a story. I I will say, you know, it it feels a bit like we've done the matrix thing of like, you know, we've watched all these cold opens and like you, you get them in your head so fast. You're like, I know Kung Fu. Um, (laughs) I feel that I have learned for myself at least, and this is very subjective. This is one thing we've learned. Pete and I differ on a lot of these cold opens and we're we're really going to get into it. There's going to be some contentious debate about some of them. Yeah. I think we might, we might give different weight to each of these things, even though I think both of us agree on the hook. Yes. Like, to, like I'm very, I'm a huge fan of brevity. I'm like, if you have gone past two minutes, maybe three minutes, like I'm basically docking a point uh, yeah. out of 10. We rank these all out of 10. So we could, we'll might throw that in the show notes later. Um, but, but then again, we, we disagree because the longest cold open in history, trivia fact, Eve of the Daleks. Uh, interesting. The new, the new longest cold open. It's over nine minutes. And I, I was hooked on that, but I, I know I liked Eve of the Daleks a lot better than you did. Definitely we'll docked it for length. I was like, when is this going to end? The other thing I discovered is I was starting to dock points from cold opens that did not have the Doctor or a companion in. I found it extra hard to suddenly start to care about a person. Well, see, uh, I didn't. I, I was, uh, I think you can create situational stuff in the doctor who universe that is incredibly interesting mm. without them. In fact, sometimes when they're not there, it, it almost makes it better. Cause you know, you don't know how they're going to sort of get introduced to the situation. So that was yeah. definitely not a drawback for me, but here's what I yeah. will say. If I, the fourth criteria I have, which I realized I didn't say yet is that something unexpected needs to happen. Something mm. that is even within the story you're telling that, is uh, it's something where it can't be too predictable there might be sort of sort of by the numbers drama by the numbers oh something has just happened which it can be fun but it's a little it's a little too uh if it's a little too predictable then it's it's not so great so those to me are the four things short tell a story something unexpected happens and of course above all else it has to hook you okay and and not to get too contentious right up front but just to give you an example of the kind of disagreement that we're going to have (laughs) I want to bring one cold open to your attention because I think it's time we start actually discussing. So we're not on the list yet. We're not on the list, but I want okay. to start discussing specific cold opens. And I want to throw up perhaps one of the most controversial cold open in Doctor Who history, which is Death in Heaven, the the Doctor Clara opening, hmm. uh, where, where Clara says, I am the Doctor. The names are reversed in the credits. Like It's partly a credits thing, right? But that's... Now, that meets all of your criteria. It's short. It tells a story. Something extremely unexpected appears to happen. Clara reveals herself to be the Doctor. And you're so kind of like so on edge from the Missy reveal. You're like, what is even happening here? That definitely hooks you. You are not going to like go on your date after the uh, uh, the opening of, of Death in Heaven. But yeah, no. I disliked it, right? It's It was kind of clickbaity here, right? So it has to... There has to be a criteria about it. It has to connect to the actual story that you're going to see. I didn't. Here's, here's why I did, I, it doesn't rise for me. It, I didn't buy it for one second. 
like mm. you kind of maybe I'm by I'm saying I'm adding another criteria as like <laughs> or just that's, a that's broader umbrella of this as being a fan of the show. It was it it, it didn't quite do it for me. Um, yeah. So like if if they had somehow supported that before that somewhere along the way that there was more of a that that was somehow more than just a cute sort of tease thing to throw in that I actually considered it for a minute, then maybe, but I don't think I did. I didn't. And I don't think anyone else did. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I would agree with you there. I we just need to add that to the criteria. Like there has to be some level of believability, some level of like, Oh, come on. Right. Now, you know? Um, yeah. And that, that, that sort of goes with telling the story. I think not too unexpected that we just yeah. don't believe it at all. Um, and I will say, okay, so another, so, another thing, we find in good cold opens is like, you've got to, you've got to have that sting right at the end before you smash cut in the title. So here's my sting for this episode of pull to open. We found <laughs> that one doctor has way better cold opens than all of the others. I would argue put together. This was a big surprise to me. Wow. Smash cut That's crazy too. Guys, we are going to tell you exactly who that, doctor is but before we do that we want to just tell you this bringing this podcast to you is a pleasure and one of the reasons is it is a pleasure is because of the service we use to record it and that is of course zencaster believe me if you are a podcaster or are thinking about becoming one zencaster is a service you should check out before we found it producing even the simplest of podcasts was a chore But ever since we switched to Zencaster, it's been like night and day. All you do, you create your recording room in the cloud, send the link to your guests, and Zencaster handles the rest. It records studio quality sound and video up to 4K. Plus, it has all the tools you need to host, create, and distribute your podcast all in one place. Whether you have your own podcast, and I know some of you do, or are thinking about starting one, we'd strongly encourage you to check out Zencaster. So set your browser to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code IPUSH. That's I-P-U-S-H. And you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experience that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It is time to share your story. Remember, the site is Zencaster.com slash pricing and the code is IPUSH. Yeah, and furthermore, let us know if you do start a podcast. Uh, if we have inspired you to do this, uh, we'd love to hear about it, and yeah, uh, we'd love and to subscribe to it, and subscribe to it, and uh, we'd love to have you on our Zencaster sometime. So come on into our green room. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, so you. so you you <laughs> left me hanging there, dude. <laughs> yes, return from the cold open. <laughs> well, let's let's go back because I feel like a good thing to do. After the cold open, is to settle into a bit of context, a bit of history. Yes. Um, so, Ambassadors of Death, not really a cold open because there were the titles first. Yeah, only only the first episode, I would even say, counts. Because the Doctor, Doctor Who always begins the episode with the cliffhanger. And in this case, they just sort of interrupted it with mm. the titles. So, I don't think that that quite counts. But the very first episode, because the interruption happens after a clear bit of a tease. It's almost like a prototype cold open because he says mm-hmm. the sort of hooky line, something took off from Mars and then they, you know, flash cut to the titles and there's not long to wait, but it is like, Oh, well, I want to know what took off from Mars. So it is, there's that hook to <laughs> mm-hmm. it. 
And then the next one was was Castro Valva. Castro Valva, which I barely count. Uh, it's really just kind of a recap of Legopolis. It had been so long, the regeneration mm-hmm. scene, but they do essentially replay the regeneration scene. I don't think perfectly. It's not exactly the same. I think it's actually that the lines are performed again. So I think they sort of refilmed it to my knowledge, um, at least yeah, from, the, or at least it was a different take, I think, but yeah. they, and they don't have all the, uh, well, I, I, you know, anyway, they, they, they basically redo the regeneration scene and nice. then, you know, flash the credits. It feels great. I'll be honest with you. Peter Davison's smiling face when you see it. Mm. And then it's like, instead of cutting to a closing credits, cutting to an opening credits. Yes. Is like such a great moment. And then of course you see, obviously his face in the star field mm. and it, a new era has begun. So it, it's very effective. And then we were still in the Davison era for the next cold open, uh, but it was not Davison in the cold open. It was William Hartnell at the beginning That's of right. five doctors where they replay that famous speech from uh, Dark Invasion of Earth. Which I would count as a cold open because obviously it's not recapping anything in any kind of real way, it, but it is teasing what's about to come. And you, it gets, if you're a fan, uh, you're really, really excited because one, you're seeing William Hartnell, obviously reruns. As you know, Chris, were not a big thing, I understand, in Great Britain. <laughs> they were so this not a was, big thing probably the first time a lot of people had even seen William Hartnell on screen in a long, long time. And the promise that that is making, which is to deliver some kind of payoff from 20 some or so years previous, that's extremely compelling. Like, I think that is a very smart way to do it. We were Uh, about to see Richard Hartnell uh, take over as William Hartnell. The first time that had happened, a, a new actor playing an old actor. So I think it really... Uh, fed that need that the five doctors had to kind of prepare you for this. And interestingly, Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of echoes. I don't know if you found this, but there's a lot of echoes throughout the history of cold opens. And Mm. I found the the echo of, of, uh, you know, Hartnell appearing at the beginning of the five doctors at the beginning of uh, twice upon a time. Yeah. Where they do that wonderful. And I rated this a 10 spoiler alert. That's time uh, twice upon a time. One of my favorite cold opens. Yeah, me too. Because they do previously on doctor who, like 843 yeah. episodes. I think it was what? 709. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they literally warp you right in, you know, a totally yeah. different way of doing exactly the same thing. You know, yeah. he, there's a new actor playing uh, William Hartnell. Let's prepare you. But like, let's actually morph his face from. Well, and also they even recast Ben and Polly, which was really cool. Yes. All that was super fun. Um, really smart way to do it. They they did such a good job, and then you know that leads up to all the great witty dialogue and mm. uh, what and a great line, right? Like very unexpected yeah. and hooky line, right before they smash got to credit. So Indeed. amazing, definitely ten out of ten. Loved it. Yeah. So um, so that next there was uh, was time in the running was the next one. It was strangely enough, they decided to not start with the credits and they do essentially, I, I think you had might not, you, if you'd seen time in the Ronnie, I'm sure it's blocked out of your head. <laughs> well, this is the thing we, we, we have so. had a whole, please go check out our side quest on rage quitting doctor who, because I, I now realize watching this again, that I must've rage quit during the opening credits. Because even, of the maybe, order. maybe. Yeah, exactly. Cause, cause basically yeah. it, it's all the TARDIS, the Ronnie comes in, there's the famous line, uh, you know, leave the girl. It's the man I want <laughs> yeah. the tetrap pull flips over 
what looks like Colin Baker, but it's not Colin Baker. It's in fact Sylvester McCoy in a wig uh, with some smushy regeneration energy on his face to make it look like it's not him. It is him. And then it fades away and it's Sylvester McCoy and without the wig. And then smash cut to credits. Boom. Brand new super synth 80s Sylvester McCoy credits, of course. Um, think, which yeah, some people they, liked and some people <laughs> might not have, I think. I think that might have been my moment of, of rage quitting. So we, we should also mention that a cold open can sometimes do the exact opposite of making you less likely to want to watch. I certainly mm. had a few that I put in that list as like the worst of all time. I'll bring up uh, Evolution of the Daleks. Do you remember that one? It's, I do. Like, it's a, mm-hmm. a stage, backstage. There's a romance going on. And then there's a pig running out of the darkness. And that's supposed to be the big surprise. Yeah, I didn't rate that as low as you. Again, we'll probably get some of these in our honorable mentions once we get to the list. But the I think the New York production stuff took me in. I, I didn't rate it a 10, but it was the, the telling of the story there was pretty good. But yes, I mean, you don't really care so much about the pig slaves. Uh, there's no doctor and no Martha. And while that's not, I don't dock points for that. I could definitely mm-hmm. see that particularly the length of that one, which was a little long for Dave, for the Davies era. Yeah. Um, didn't make I mean, it that we, great. Uh, we also have an on running, uh, ongoing joke on uh, Paul to open about fear her, how much we fear going to fear her. And uh, I, I definitely fear, fear her <laughs> more after rewatching the cold open of fear her, but Hey, at least I've now watched I, the cold. See, open. I disagree. I like the cold open of fear her. And I think it's one of these things. And this is probably one of the other rules that we should say which is that I we cannot judge the cold open by the episode. Even if the episode is garbage, even if it turned out to not deliver on the promise of that cold open, we are only judging the cold open. And I do think Fear Her, it's a little by the numbers, yes, uh, but that final bit where the kid disappears and he's in the paper sort yes. of coming alive, I think that's pretty hooky. That's not bad as, a, as sort of a monster hook. That's kind of an illustration of a problem I had with a lot of cold opens, which is like, you've got a good hook, but like they're on screen for like just too short a time, like blink and you miss it, uh, and mm-hmm. then straight into the credits. I, I found that happening quite a few times. Anyway, let, let's go back to, to setting the stage, because we're almost up to uh, the New Who era. There, there was one more at the beginning of... Um, uh, Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah, so I, I this is kind of one of my honorable mentions uh, in that... It's the first, well, I wouldn't say the first because Time in the Ronnie was technically the first, but it's it's a great cold open because it, it actually <laughs> ticks almost, I think, all of the boxes. It's incredibly short. Huh. It tells enough of a story in that, okay, this is the 1960s based on all the audio you're getting from the Earth. You see a spaceship, you know, oh, something's coming. Huh. Uh, it's kind of hooky in that way. And uh, I think only for the sort of lack of clarity of, what's going on, it would be like a 10. Um, But the, the thing is it's given away uh, clearly like the title of the episode, which of course is remembrance of the Daleks. And it's like, Oh, and certainly like at the time, if you were paying attention, you knew this was the 25th anniversary story. You know, they were doing something fun and sort of going back into the original mythos of the show. So, but if you didn't know all that stuff, um, I think it it was a lot, it it brought you even further in. So uh, definitely points for that one. I definitely, yeah, I almost got Contact vibes. Contact is my one of my favorite science fiction movies, and it kind of felt like pulling away from Earth mm. with the radio uh, signals, and the, the broadcast seemed to be 
getting older as you go back, uh, as they do in contact. So that, that was that was a nice one to revisit. Uh, and then the Doctor Who TV movie did it, which yeah. is you know kind of a, the ultimate example of brevity. Of like, mm. oh, the the master was executed on Scarrow. Do I remember? Well. Yeah, I, I, again, this is to me is another great one. I, I rated this one a ten out of ten just because it still opens well, for a lot of reasons. It opens with that side of a planet, and it just says Scaro, which where you're just like, oh wow, okay, boom, like because mm. you, you didn't really know what to expect with a TV movie. What are they going to do? Are they going to respect the fans? Are they going to do something totally different? I was like, oh no, okay, this is the Doctor Universe, got it, and then. They do all this stuff, the Daleks executing the master, which sounds ludicrous and is a bit, but it also is like very unexpected and like, okay, something's going on here. And then all the Paul McGann narration, uh, you know, the eyes, all that stuff. And then uh, him saying that he's transporting the remains and it was something they never should have granted the, the request that is, it's like, okay, I'm on board. This is, you've set up a neat little story here. And, yeah, 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 you know, mention mention of Scarrow for the old school fans, are like ah, Daleks, you know, and again that, that sort of speaks to the slightly clickbaity nature of some cold opens, because yeah, you you would be disappointed if you were expecting Daleks. In the yeah, well, I will say you, again, the cold open and the episode are different things, yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. it's like no matter what happens in the episode, if the cold open does its job uh, for the purposes of this podcast, yeah. it yeah. gets a good rating. And we can, we can grudgingly appreciate the, the clickbaitiness of some of these. Sure. Um, but then we, we so then we go to the new era. And, and surprisingly, I, I, I seem to remember, you know, remember we could play tricks on you. I hadn't seen Rose in a while. I could have sworn that I had a cold open. Nope. Uh, it does not. The first cold open is actually the second episode of Doctor Yeah, End of the World. End of the World. And it really sets up, like it is echoed so many times throughout the next uh, decade or so of cold opens. Uh, you know, definitely echoed in the in the Bill Potts era. Uh, like, where do you want to go? Backwards or forwards? It's, right. it's, the, it's kind of the uh, cold open in, yeah. in that way. Companion chooses whether to go back or forward. It's kind of simple. Doesn't yeah. really set you up for like, I think these days you'd have a little more in that cold open. Like they wouldn't be able to resist showing you Lady Cassandra, for example. Um, you know, and then the, the well, yes. I rated this one higher than you, and it's because I, I I had to sort of put my mind back into where I was in 2005 when I saw it, and I really love the idea of going to the far, far future, which which mm-hmm. they didn't do all that often in the classic series, if at all, like maybe a couple times in with Frontios and whatever else. But th- I, I love the idea of going to when not just like the we've had different eras of the earth, but the earth is actually going to be physically destroyed, which is, you know, always a theoretical in textbooks. And it's like, I love the idea of like uncorking that sort of potential of doctor who and these massive timescales and things. And I thought it was just such a smart thing for the series itself and sort of establishing the boundaries and pushing them way out. Um, I, it was just such a great, great choice. So I really, I really l- like that cold open actually. Yeah. The season one of the new show is kind of a story of the show learning how to do cold open. Absolutely. Right. And I, yeah. I do want to give, we don't want to go through all of them. We don't have time to go through all of them, but I do want to give a special shout out to aliens of London. Hmm. Again, how many times are we ever going to talk about aliens of London? Right. It's not a very memorable doctor who story in itself, but the cold open, the the rose coming back after not twelve uh, hours, which the yeah, he thought it was twelve hours. It turned out it was twelve months. Months. This personally 
was the, this is the opposite of rage quitting. This got me back into Who, specifically because I went into a store in San Francisco, a British supply store, British goods store, uh, to get my supply of biscuits and uh, tea, <laughs> and, Ribena and all, all of that good stuff. And sarcasm, and, don't forget the sarcasm. sarcasm, yes. And the guy behind the counter was so excited. He said, have you seen the new Doctor Who? I was like, yeah, I saw Rose. Like, I, I wasn't that into Rose first time I saw it. And he's like, no, you got you got to watch this. And he, he turns his laptop around. He shows me the cold open of Aliens of London. And he was hmm. like, on the one hand, I'm like, yes, as a science fiction fan, I've seen that idea before as a fan of time travel literature. Sure. But okay, this is good. This is clearly yeah. good. I should give oh. the new series a chance. Totally. And well, you know, we haven't done that for the podcast. We'll get there when we get there. But just it's such a bold choice. I mean, just yeah. she's back 12 months later and OK, we're changing the year. Mm. We're changing all the relationships of these characters that you thought you knew. And we're just going to deal with it. and seemingly just because he goofed. He just goofed yeah. it up. That's it. There's no other real reason to it. I, yeah. Very, very fun choice. Coming in at the end, like, oh, sorry, <laughs> 12 months. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> just so doctorish. And Eccleston delivers it perfectly. And so many times. And also what they discovered in that season with, with the Doctor dances mm. is that you can have a cold open that's funny. Like you don't necessarily have to have it be a sting. And this is classic Moffat, like introducing a greater level of humor, I think, to Doctor Who. Because yeah. it is, as you remember, the, the conclusion of, of uh, Empty Child is the, the kids in the gas masks, every all patients in the gas masks going towards the Doctor and Rose and Jack saying, you know, are you my mummy? And then, and you're, so you're thinking for a whole week of like, how are they going to get out of that? How, right? That's, that's the idea right. of a good cold open. Uh, or a good, good, uh, you know, tease at the end of the show, a good cliffhanger, uh, and for that to be resolved with the Doctor yelling "Go to your room" and then saying, "I'm not sure that I didn't know that would work." <laughs> yeah, no, no, he says that those would have. I'm glad that worked. Those would yeah, have been no, terrible last words. <laughs> terrible last words, and <laughs> I was a good line. So hard at that, and there, there can so there can be cold opens that yeah. are just funny. And you're, you're hooked because they're funny, because you're amused. Yeah, uh, totally. It's also one of those things, like, you could definitely tell they were figuring out the show. Because after Series 1, they s- apparently decided, oh, you know what? We probably shouldn't have cold opens for two-parters and just do a recap. And then just yeah. sort of have the, have the cliffhanger resolution after. Because um, for both uh, World War Three and... Uh, the doctor dances, they do this sort of co- resolution of the cliffhanger. And then actually in world war three, it's super, super short and I like it, but it is, it's like that, that they, they realize, you know, that that's enough. You can just tease in like you, you already have your, your cold open with the cliffhanger from the previous. So we'll just do that. Essentially mm-hmm. do an ambassadors of death. <laughs> and, yes. um, but they, then Moffat would play with it in that when he took over, sometimes he would still have a full cold open, but it was not, it usually wasn't just a resolution of the clip. There was like yet another sort of telling of the story, but most of the time they just sort of settled on that formula. Yeah. And that's interesting because it's, you know, RTD's cold opens. If, if I had to sort of classify every year, I'd be like RTD's cold opens, the, the kind of melodramatic that, you know, and can, can kind of look a bit cheap, but, but they're basic and they get the job done. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the doctor comes into the classroom. He's your new teacher. Brilliant. I want to watch yeah. that school exactly um and then and then uh when when moffat takes over he kind of 
over eggs the pudding. In, oh, yeah. Uh, I think he basically so. sees them a lot of the time as act one. Yes. And hmm. and then he learns, I think, after or, or maybe towards the end of season seven is when it starts what I would call, after having watched them all, like there is a golden age of cold opens, I think. Yes. And it starts with the the, 60, the, the 50th anniversary stuff, you know, time, night, day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to a lesser extent, you know, uh, uh, name, you know, to, and then yeah, to a sure. lesser extent, time. Um, but then Capaldi, and this is this is our headline here. My goodness, folks, I I am glad that we did this cold open side trip, even if it took us more time than watching Seeds of Death, because I learned that the Doctor with the best cold opens is undoubtedly Peter Capaldi. Definitely Peter Capaldi. Like like I said, we did all these, we rated each and every one of them, and Capaldi on both of our lists got the most tens. It's and not so even was, close. Was uh, that a surprise to you, Pete? Uh, it was, yeah. It was very much a surprise. I thought I would sort of be given, I thought it'd probably be tenant. Um, I was really surprised how few of Smith's made my list. Yeah. And it's basically because of that first criteria length. They, they were just went on and on and on, and they were just scene after scene after scene. And it's like, this is not simple. This is not hooking me. You've already given me like, 10 different places to, to, to head out that door, Steven, and go on my date. Like I, 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 (laughs) you didn't even get to the sort of smash cut to the credits, you know? So he's clearly figuring it out like his style. And I think by the time he gets to Capaldi, he's sort of edited himself to some extent and he's finally got it right. It's interesting that the one that uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, other sites and podcasts uh, and, uh, you know, Doctor Who YouTube channels have rated their favorite cold opens. Uh, one that pops up to the top a lot. I'm just going to say it now because it is a Smith cold open, uh, but it's not in our list and dropping a little uh, cold open sting there um, is a good man goes to war. Hmm. Uh, because it is, it's just that wonderful scene where Rory goes onto the cyber ship delivers a message from the doctor and the message turns out to be the, the entire cyber fleet blowing up right in, behind Rory. And yeah. Very cool. Where, where is my wife is his question. Um, and, and I'm butchering the cold open, but that cold open did not outstay its welcome. <laughs> I think and it got <laughs> a lot of praise for doing that. And I think Moffat learned from that. And by the time we get around to Capaldi, he's got it Yeah, like, straight from the off. He gets it. I, I think you you didn't like Deep Breath. I did, uh, but that from then on, I think we're agreed that season eight, uh, the first Capaldi season, may be our highest rated season of cold opens. Could be, yeah. The uh, I deduct anything with Porternaster Gang, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. But there's also just a little too much going on in the the dinosaur. There's just so much gratuitousness in that one. I yeah, I wasn't super impressed with the Deep Breath. Uh, cold open. Um, sorry, I, I, deep breath I, I love it. I mean, it's it's so, it's so hard with cold opens. I had a really hard time kind of divorcing my uh, objective rating from my experience of having watched it at the time. I watched Deep Breath and that cold open uh, on a TV screen on a giant canine on the side of a giant canine <laughs> at Burning Man. In, uh, okay. in whatever that year was, 2014. So, like, I'll never forget that. Like, you know, so, personally, like, you, there's, there's right. a lot of fixed points in time here. Like, we have a rating on the regular show, the fixed point in time, and you can't really give a rating stuff. 
That, that's what it would do it for me. Like there, there are so many cold opens that recall a certain time and place mm. um, and stick in your head for that reason. We might have to evaluate your 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 own AI your biases of your own AI. <laughs> I don't exactly. know. Sorry, I got a lot of AI in my head. But you got AI in your head now. But yeah, the uh, that's that's the deal. You know, the Capaldi has the he he is the most consistent cold opener deliver. Yeah. And I'm actually uh, deliver cold open deliverer. <laughs> deliverer of cold opens, and it's kind of consistent all the way through to uh, twice upon a time. Mm. Uh, it just really nails it. All of those Bill Potts ones, like the the season ten ones, they take a different yeah, direction, good. and that because they're all they have they have a thing going on, like Bill learning about the Doctor. Yeah, which life. is again like such a great thing that Capaldi oh. gets to do because he didn't really quite get to do that with Clara. Um, so it's great that he he sort of has that season. Yeah, we should talk about Whitaker a bit. Um, yeah. You know, because I think Chibnall, one of the wisest things uh, Chibnall ever decided was, let's do a season without cold opens. Because I think yeah, after so you think many it was wise. Ones, after what? So, because there are so many, so many great ones. Like I, I think, well, okay, I, I'm personally glad Chris Chibnall did it because otherwise it would have been an, you know an extra couple of hours. Uh, because he's always <laughs> not, he's, he is not brief on his cold opens. He, with Eva the Daleks, he's the holder of the longest cold open in Doctor Who history. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's it's true. Like, so we should be grateful he didn't, yeah, I guess, given exactly. the evidence. But at the same yeah. time, I do feel like the cold open became part of the new Who. It became part of our expectations. And I, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I like cold opens ever since the original Star Trek, mm. which had them. Uh, and I, a lot of those are super memorable. Uh, I think there's kind of something uh, you kind of want. You kind of, you know, gives you that opportunity to to hook someone even before they know what they're watching. Yeah. Uh, which you know, just as a show that should be always interested in hooking more viewers, I think it's a tool in your in your toolbox, and you know, you should yeah. you should use it. And Chibnall did certainly decide to return to form with uh, with Spyfall. You know, in uh, in season twelve, we get back there, we get cold opens throughout. Almost all of Flux. Yeah, Flux Flux is when he just super leaned into it. He had a few yeah. in series twelve, and then yeah. Flux was all about them. So yeah, he came back to came back to came back home to him. So mm. it's all good. And we'd also mention that the Eve of the Darks being a holiday special, you kind of you kind of want to I don't know uh, give it a little leeway for that because all of the holiday specials have longer cold opens, hmm. right? Uh, even going going back to the Christmas invasion, like the and that was a fairly long one, yeah, because we've yeah. got to have the new Doctor stumbling out of the TARDIS, uh, and Jackie and, and Mickey having their chance to, you know, yeah, the, the immortal line Doctor Who, which gets used so much, <laughs> so more, so often in cold opens. We like got to do a count. That's it's true. The snowmen cold open. Like I'd forgotten how many times it. What's just the one they go Doctor What? There was Doctor like what? I forget which one that is. But. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a fairly recent. That's fairly recent in New Who. I'll, I'll see if I can. Yeah, that. but anyway, Chris, I think our own cold open has gone yeah. way past the record at this point. <laughs> and well, I think the what people may have actually clicked on this podcast for, which is the top ten in all of Doctor Who, uh, something we need should start at some point. Yeah. So should we smash cut to credits first, or do we just go in? Well, we've had so many cold opens at this stage. We're like cold openception at this, at this <laughs> point. So 
I, I think you should just sprinkle credits throughout the show. Keep smash cutting. Keep stinging. All right. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the list. Uh, you know, uh, I think that that was a very fascinating kind of introduction to uh, what you're going to see on this list, uh, which it is. There is, spoiler alert, dominance of this list by a certain doctor. But again, to tease you, Capaldi may not have the top slot. He may not, but he does but have the 10th slot. Yeah. Number 10, coming in, it is Listen. That is from Series 8. Now, if you don't remember Listen, it uh, starts with uh, one of these famous Capaldi speeches, which became famous. Yeah, Yeah, which a lot of these uh, cold opens of Capaldi contain, really good ones. Uh, But it it opens with that fantastic shot of Capaldi meditating Mm -hmm. on top of the TARDIS. Yeah, uh, with with Earth below him, and wow, what a, what a shot! I mean, if one of the rules of a good cold open is have an image so arresting that you are just your jaw is hanging down, that that's it for me. And it's, yeah. it's interesting that it's so static. So many cold opens try to be like actiony and memorable in that way. Yeah, and it's the opposite of, of like yeah, yeah, the opposite of what was the one, the Christmas one where Smith is running through a spaceship or whatever. Oh, Doctor Widow in the wardrobe or something. Like that's uh, yeah. all all action all the time. This is totally the opposite. This is like it starts with that static image. Then he's in the TARDIS and he's giving this really compelling, really simple lecture. It's kind of a soliloquy because he's alone, or is he? And talking about creatures who can be perfect hiders, and then how would you even know they exist? And you know, it's just kind of a fun sci-fi Doctor Who question. And then it sort of ends, of course, with the cool tease of the, the chalk falls down and somebody has written listen mm-hmm. on his chalkboard. And it's like, so Oh funny. man, am I ever not going on that date? I am staying right here. Seeing <laughs> so, what, what wrote that? Indeed. I mean, you know, and that, this is one of, one of the examples where the uh, cold open delivers on, on an episode that's even better, I would argue than the cold open. Mm. Um, we'll get, we'll get there. Of, an example of a cold open that d- does not deliver on an episode that's better. Uh, well, uh, sorry, we're, we're going to get to that one. But, but first, <laughs> we're going to get to another cold open. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the, uh, the wrong order here. Number nine in our list. It's Twice Upon a Time. It's exactly what we were just talking about. The, uh, yeah. the Previously on Doctor Who. I mean, and, and remembering that this was a Christmas episode, that was kind of daring to do that. To like mm. go to to black and white Doctor Who when you've got that that drunk family in the living room that we've talked about so often uh, that Moffat thinks about when you know a Doctor Who has to be a little bit louder and here it is going back a little bit further so it's it's kind of being a bit more for the fans. Which well, is but I think at this point Doctor Who is such an institution in Britain yeah. and that just that caption seven hundred nine episodes ago. I mean, it's such a not just fun. It's a brag it's kind of a humble brag right it's basically like to the whole audience even if you're a casual fan you know doctor who's been around for a long time and you you're just gonna like your jaw is gonna drop at that just that figure (laughs) 709 episodes ago like wow this thing has been going on forever and then you're it's already kind of hooking you there you're like okay well what are you how are you gonna bridge this thing that happened you know 50 or whatever years ago with whatever's going on on screen now and again, an echo here, and I want to bring up an example of something that isn't a cold open, but I think it's worth questioning, because this is kind of an echo of Day of the Doctor, right? Which opens mm. with the Hartnell 
credits and they fade so quickly into the policeman going down Totter's Lane. Right. That you might you might be thinking in your head, well, well, hang on, isn't Day of the Doctor a cold open? Uh, because obviously the credits are, you know, Smith is swinging underneath the TARDIS and, you know, he's about to land at Trafalgar Square. Right. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, I, 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 when we embarked on this uh, remarkably lengthy side quest, I had that in my head as something we were going to talk about. Uh, like that, it's it's disqualifying, but that would be, if it wasn't disqualified, that would be a hella great cold open, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. I It doesn't, in terms of storytelling, it doesn't quite hook you. That's sort of the problem there. And particularly like this, there, there are, I wouldn't say issues, but there was one sort of nagging thing from that season, which it's sort of the, the end of the previous one, the name of the doctor sort of feels like a, a cliffhanger. And it's only because they couldn't shoot sort of uh, Smith and Coleman exiting his time stream because Smith had broken his or sprained his ankle or something. So you mm-hmm. kind of wondering a little bit what's going on there. If you're in, if you're a fan and if you're not, I think you're kind of like, Oh, okay. This is kind of interesting. Like, to me, like that episode really begins and starts to hook you with the motorcycle stuff, uh, yeah. or, or or really more the uh, the helicopter stuff. And but even there, it's a little like you, you, there's no clear, there's not a lot of clarity on the stakes yet. So mm. yeah, all right. I, just I, just a insight into how far we've uh, gone down the rabbit hole of defining cold opens, rating cold opens, thinking about cold opens. Uh, I, I, you know, I dare say we're we're some of the world's top cold open experts. At this <laughs> well, I got to say, just back to twice upon a time, I think all of that was was really great. Uh, we talked about it before. Getting the David Bradley transition just right was just, just they got it just right. It was it was just they okay. Just right. They actually morph William Hartnell into David Bradley in front of your eyes. Yeah. That gets you into the the zone, and then. I got to say that the 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 final line like uh, is so funny, and because the guy comes out and it's so unexpected, right? Like you think it's just going to be doctor and doctor, and then this military guy comes and is, "Are either of you a doctor?" And it's like yes. you're trying to be funny. I lo- I love that it they didn't use that as the line. I like that the line that before the credits is Capaldi is like, "Are you trying to be funny?" And I like yeah, which is a great like how do you again back to day of the doctor? How do you go from saying to John Hurt when he says, I'm looking for the doctor and Tennant looks at Smith and looks at Hurt and says, well, you certainly come to the right place. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, how do you do that? Uh, top that as a joke. Are you trying to be funny? Is, is and it's perfect for Capaldi's doctor, especially. <laughs> totally. All right. The, the Scottish, uh, pugnacious Scottish response. Um, but so yeah, that, that is great for that reason. Cause throwing in, throwing in an extra, component is is always uh, appreciated in a cold open so, so yeah, moving, mo- moving on to number eight it is once again peter capaldi in <laughs> the lie of the land okay so this is what i was thinking about when i think about the the rest of the story doesn't necessarily live up to the cold open and mm. by the way i'm so glad that moffat resisted the temptation to use the fake regeneration in in lie of the land that capaldi does that that fake regeneration that could have been a cold open yeah, it could have been. Well, I also like that he resisted the urge to do kind of like previously. Like, mm-hmm. there's no real recap. Um, there might have been in some broadcasts. I don't really know. But uh, certainly, 
on uh, on uh, Max or uh, the DVDs or, or uh, Blu-rays, there isn't one, and they just sort because of, the, essentially the cold open is the recap in a yes. sense, right? Because like it's it's all Capaldi's narration talking about how the monks have come to Earth and they've been benevolent and they've been here for thousands of years and helped us ever since we walked out of the seas and all this stuff. And we all know it's not true, uh, but it does sort of get you thinking about the previous week. If you've seen the previous week and if you haven't, it sort of sets up a really interesting, like weird conundrum of what, what is this weird alternate earth? I like it. The idea of it as a meta previously on, because it is the show itself trying to eradicate your memory. Yeah. What happened in the previous. It doesn't matter what, what you think happened. Here's here's what you really need to know about previously on Doctor Who. The monks are awesome. <laughs> and then and then you have all that great sort of fascist imagery with Bill. Again, I would say this one verges on the border of being too long, but then it comes home with again the the broadcast from Capaldi and his sort of evil smile at the end, right before they yeah. go to credit. So it just and, definitely and, and, works. And including the family uh, who are you know. Uh, rounded up uh, during the doctor's broadcast mm-hmm. uh, and, and told that they're being arrested under the, uh, the false memories act of 1975. Yeah. Which I think it's just so wonderful. And, you know, again, and meta kind of reference, think about that for a moment. <laughs> Was yeah. there a false memories act in 1975? Um, you know, <laughs> wonderful, brilliant stuff. Uh, and speaking of stuff that is just so clever, so clever that we have to include it. Even though it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the episode itself, but a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit, yeah, for more than a little bit. And uh, number seven, it is also Peter Capaldi, and it's before the flood. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, how could we story, not? How could we how not could we do this not? one? It's a special favorite of ours at, at Pull to Open because it contains the immortal Capaldi reading. Google it. <laughs> it is Capaldi at his coolest. I don't think the Doctor ever gets cooler than he is in this cold open. At his coolest, uh, explaining a bootstrap paradox by reference to a story about Beethoven. Explicitly yeah. saying that he is not the guy in the story who discovers that Beethoven never existed, so he has to become Beethoven. It's explicitly saying that's not him, but of course, rule number one, the Doctor lies. <laughs> and then... To, to f- have for Capaldi to play, and he really played it right. Like th- that's him on mm. electric guitar doing Beethoven's Fifth, and then the smash cut into the electric guitar credits. I yeah. mean, wow! Just too perfect. I, I don't even necessarily know what's going on or remember what's going on for the previous week, but I'm <laughs> I'm texting my date at that point. Sorry, something's come up. Uh, I've I've got a bootstrap paradox. Google it. Yeah, I mean the Capaldi soliloquy. I mean, it just became such a such a thing, such a format, and luckily they kept going back to it. And it just it's a winner, man. I mean, this is again uh, another masterclass, and everything like you said, the the coolness of it, the, the guitar, the fact that they went further with it and even had the credits in the the guitar. Um, yeah, uh, it was just basically perfect. If only it had something to do with the episode, but no, it did. I mean, obviously, there's a whole like. How do you get out of that paradox if it's, if it's happening to you? And, you know, the, the episode might so have some answers. Surprising. It's so surprising, isn't it? Uh, folks, you're probably used to a lot of Doctor Who top 10 lists. And maybe you've had a few uh, Capaldi top 10 lists in your time. I don't think anyone would have put Lie of the Land before the Flood on any list other than Best Cold Opens. 
Uh, <laughs> right? And I think the same is true of our next entry. And that is, of course, uh, another one oh. from Series 8, Time Heist. Yeah. So Time Heist is a really interesting one because it plays with the formula that they've established in Series 8 up to this point, which is that yeah. Capaldi's Doctor and Clara, should they kind of have this interesting companion doctor relationship where she'll sort of, you know, tag along with him for a little bit and then go back to her life. And she's leading this double life and they'd sort of, you know, tease up these adventures quite often in the opening credits and, or sorry, in the cold opens and they'll, you know, have some back and forth and some repartee, which they do here. But the, the, the best thing about it is when he just goes to get, answer the phone and the TARDIS that's ringing. And then suddenly it just cuts immediately to them getting their memories wiped in this time heist situation where they're with yeah. these other two aliens that they have no idea who they are because they just had their memories wiped. And then hearing their own voices confess to them that they're submitting to a memory wipe. Uh, yeah. Talk about awful. starting in the middle of things. I mean, this is a cold open that managed to do both. It has its cake and eats it. It starts at the beginning of things, but also in the middle of things yeah, <laughs> um, and, and just smashes them together. And it, it's just sheer genius. And yeah, you absolutely want to know. And then you've got the sort of the gross out thing of like, they're holding these weird worms instead of telephones. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, what, what just happened? Um, and it's fantastic. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to another season eight story that did this. Didn't make the list, but the caretaker. I oh, was yeah. thoroughly surprised at how much I enjoyed that cold open, which is really all about what you're describing. The the double life that Clara is leading behind Danny Pink's back. Right. Um, and then it comes in, he comes in at the end as the new caretaker, and she has the yeah. big eyes. <laughs> and that's got the comedy thing, because that's yeah. that whole wonderful bit of like, you know, she she's the doctor's being bl- deliberately cagey at the, at the end of all these series of adventures about what he's doing next, and he's hiding the screen from her and she walks out and she's, and she comes back in and just does that wonderful thing with the eyes. I'm looking at, got my eyes on you. And then <laughs> to have that be revealed as, Oh, hi, I'm John Smith, the new caretaker, but you can call me the doctor. Just wonderful. Wonderful. Love the caretaker. Uh, yeah. And I just another example of how good Moffat was getting at this point. And, and time heist may be the best example of, of that season. Uh, yeah. And it also brevity. Yeah. It's relatively yep. short. He's, yep. he's getting the hang of it. He's not going on for minutes and minutes and minutes. Um, but we might, in a second here, <laughs> as we talk about guys, it, it, this is a podcast and it thrives on interactivity and your guys' contributions. And one of those ways you can contribute is, of course, by reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast app you might be listening to us on. Uh, there's a good chance it's Apple Podcasts, which is a great place to leave a review. You can just leave a very short one. You can even leave just a few emojis. We like that. A couple of emojis and uh, maybe even make them in the form of a Doctor Who title uh, in the form of an emoji. That'd be great. Uh, you can rate- they will be used interactively in the Whomoji Challenge, which will be back next week. Exactly. Uh, and if you're on Spotify, you can rate us there too. Um, don't forget to follow us on YouTube. That is at youtube.com slash pull to open. We've got a lot of great discussion going on there. Even if you subscribe to us in one of your podcast apps, go ahead and check us out on YouTube as well. Follow us there. Um, you get the actual visual emoji challenge, which is a yeah. nice bonus on checking out those videos. 
Yeah, we're getting more and more nice bonuses on videos. Uh, I believe we may have a few of the show. And Spotify, there's the bonus. We should mention a poll to open. Mm-hmm. Where at the end of most of our, our regular stories, we have a polling feature. You vote on the particular episode that we're talking about. Uh, Peter, the folks going to be able to vote on the our top 10 uh, for their favorite cold open? Well, so we might push the poll feature past its limits. Uh, to let you guys vote on what your favorite is among our top 10. But of course, there's always the Q&A feature where you can also fill in uh, a write-in candidate. So if you have a uh, favorite among cold opens that we haven't mentioned, uh, go ahead, put it in there. And we'd love to talk about it in a future episode. Or you can just drop us a line, guys. We are all over the socials. We're at Pull to Open 63 on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and even threads. Yep. We're there, and we're also at Pull to Open, no 63, on Blue Sky, and of course, TikTok, where we're uploading videos often. Indeed. So definitely get in touch, because if if our list is any uh, guide, I, <laughs> I there's a lot of contention uh, mm. in, in our cold open debate. Like, you know, uh, Pete, I noticed you had one of the, uh, the, the first Cyberman story of New Who. Uh, you you rated it a ten uh, with that cold open there. That was Rise yeah. of the Cybermen. Yes, Rise but sorry guys, we're not back in the list yet. We're just doing some more honorable mentions. I really liked Rise of the Cybermen, and this is probably more of a fan vote for both the Cybermen and the show. I just thought it was such a atmospheric. I gave a lot of points for atmosphere in that one. Where uh, what a great way to sort of introduce the Cybermen, not just by having uh, them there and sort of blurred out by this other character of John Lumick and um just it's got the brevity it hooks you and he says set sail for great britain which uh, that's the line that as they cut to credits which i thought was sort of interesting um i will admit the one thing this one doesn't do and i might revise my 10 and maybe get more of a 9.5 is that it is a little by the numbers it is a little conventional i'll admit that doesn't quite something unexpected doesn't quite happen uh, unless you count sort of who lumic is and um what his deal is but as far as like uh, a nice tease of you're going to see a fun not just cyberman adventure but a, a fascinating reintroduction of them i thought it really did the job interesting and i had the experience and this is this is why it's so cold opens are so personal i had the experience of oh it's it's the guy who played trigger on only fools and horses and he's kind <laughs> of really cheering the scenery here uh because he's got a cyberman which is they tried to blur out. And I'm like, but it's right there in the title. So I'm not going to be surprised anyway. Yeah. But you want to know what it looks like. Yeah. Anyway, I'm astonished that we had any, that we we both like, but you know, given given the amount of contention in our whole list, which maybe we can add to the show notes. uh, So you can go and peruse at your leisure, (laughs) how much we rated out of 10, every single cut. That's right. folks. If it'll fit, it might not fit. But uh, <laughs> next week, you guys, we might have another delivery method for lengthy notes. Mm. Uh, stay tuned. That's wow. my, that's our own tease for <laughs> yes, what might be coming in our 100th story episode. Oh. Um, okay, guys, back to the <laughs> list. Back to the list. Number five on the list is the story that Moffat was actually referring to when when he uh, gave that story about you're, you're on a date with someone really hot and you've got your hand mm. in your jacket how do i stop you it was this that he was thinking of oh my goodness did he deliver it's the magician's apprentice mm, yeah season nine that and was course, so amazing i mean 
it's it's such a great little bit where you know the doctor's bonding with this kid who's apparently wandered into a minefield and he's trying to help him. Clearly, not sure where he is. Because mm-hmm. the big, this is all about the hook. This one, the hook is yeah. just so massive. Like it's a, <laughs> this hook just doesn't hook you. It hooks your entire life, like in, mm-hmm. into being invested in this episode. Because when it's basically the kid reveals himself to be Davros, like we all know yeah. what that means as Doctor Who fans. And you, you are just, it completely changes how you're regarding this scene uh on on every level and you're just there's absolutely no way absolutely no way you're leaving and going on that date you are there right and and it may be if if you're a doctor who fan like part of your head is thinking well well hey you know why is the doctor looking like why are we treating this as if it's definitely the davros the creator of the daleks maybe there are a lot of davroses (laughs) come on if if you're a full-on who fan then you you are things are like clicking like Okay, biplane, yeah. and the guy sh- tries to shoot an arrow at it. Like that's how we we start. Uh, or you know, I, I, no, it's actually a fighter jet, right? You know, so you've got mixture mixture of tech, and the doc specifically mm. doc specifically re- references that, and we know that's what happened on Scarrow before Genesis of the Daleks, right? Which is where Davros was introduced. So you're already there, but also we've got to give a shout out for the, you know this Moffat is kind of famous for like throwing out 10 ideas a second and and then kind of abandoning them right here here he kind of does that with the hand mines right it's the best it's one of the best uses of you know oh i had a cool idea that would make an excellent image and and will haunt the nightmares of all children watching this hands coming out of the ground with eyes in them that can just literally pull you into the ground like it's quicksand yeah what a yeah, what a great cool. idea! How how excellent that he establishes the stakes by having the the one guy who's trying to persuade this kid to get out of the hand minefield get sucked in, and you know that that reveal of have you ever seen a hand mine kid? And he's like, yeah. And <laughs> suddenly, see, it's got his own leg. Wow! Yeah, and now that is definitely cool. an example of how you hook us with a story that has at that point nothing to do with the doctor, right? And then, uh, and then yeah. it just, yeah, exactly. So it's already doing its job as a cold open really, really well. And then it hits you with that, you know, goes to 11 for every Doctor Who fan. And again, the whole Davra, is it, is it that Davros? I, I mean, why even? I think no one would think it's some other Davros. It's just silly. <laughs> Davros Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. No, you know, not Davros Jones. He's the he's the <laughs> uh, No, this uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It's definitely the, the family only family. note that I would have had on this cold open, and, and with this, I think it might have made it to number one. Is if you'd had the Doctor going inside the TARDIS and leaving at that point, I think mm. that that's because, of course, which what he does, and then he returns. Spoiler alert: if you haven't seen right. it, um, but it, that would have that sort of scene of the doctor abandoning a child for the first time mm-hmm. uh, would have been such a strong image to end on. I think it's even better than just the, the close up of the shot. No, no, no. I think, I think you've already got enough there. I think mm-hmm. you, you want to know what happens and I'd, I still want to know what happens if he leaves, but you, you want to leave it in the middle of the situation unresolved. Um, so I, I do like the call they made there. So yeah, outstanding. One of Capaldi's best, but not his best. Uh, we still have more on this list, guys. A, we are at now at number four, 
and it is another Capaldi episode. It is Dark Water. Yeah. This was now, quite a cold open. This is, I in mean, case you don't remember it, it's it's the one where Danny Pink dies. Yeah, it's pretty gut-wrenching. On the phone with Clara, and she's got all the post-it notes of stuff that she's trying to tell him. She does end up telling him that he's the last person that she'll ever say I love you to, which, oh, I'm, I'm getting choked up just thinking of that now. And it's interesting because this is... the. I wouldn't have expected the high rating, uh, this high rating for this until mm. I rewatched it. Uh, even though we've done it, like I, it didn't yeah. really necessarily stick in my head that much. And I remember watching it at the time and thinking, you know, that's just dumb. And sort of feeling, feeling Clara. That what was Clara dumb? Says, that they killed him off? Yeah, the, the, they sort of killed him off in that way. And mm-hmm. then, which is kind of arrested by the fact that Clara says, you know, no, it, it wasn't a good death or whatever his, uh, her grandmother says to her. Right. Right. It's, it wasn't, a, it was just boring. He just yeah. died in a boring way. And my God, that was the line now at this time, right? Where I choked up. Yeah. Thinking my, my recent grief and, um, yeah, it really struck me that time. And whereas at the time when I was watching, I was like, no, this, she's right. And this, so why show it in the cold open? Right. So it's interesting how you're feeling about a cold open can evolve over time. Yeah. It's, it's incredible storytelling. I mean, Moffat and uh, keeps it really real with the writing, like in the lines that you mentioned, and you kind of like invited to both be sympathetic for, for Clara, but also kind of not like her in some ways. And uh, particularly at the end there, like what a, what a great hook of, the doctor finally sort of gets back to her on the phone and there's just a, a pr- amazing editing where he's just like, you know, okay, well, what can I do for you, Clara? And then it's just sort of the, the cuts zooming in on her and you're just like, Oh mm-hmm. boy, <laughs> like yeah. that's the, he, she can, he can do something for her. I'm pretty sure I know what she has in mind and yeah. uh, sure enough, like that's where it's going, but you also really desperate to see just like, how is that going to go? Like, and yeah. Again, just Amazing. thinking of it now, I think the the only note I would add to that is he, it would be better with an arresting uh, Jenna Coleman line right there at the smash cut, and that I I would steal it from later in the episode where the doctor says "Go to hell." I would actually put that in Clara's mouth at the beginning of the cold open when the doctor says, "What can I do for you?" Clara could say "Go to hell." Mm, is, I don't know. I, it, yeah. it sort of changes the tone of it. It makes it sound like she's yelling at him or something. Like she's clearly turning on the charm a little bit, you know, like even when she answers, oh, same old, same old. Mm-hmm. She doesn't go into it um, because she's probably already got this in mind, you know, and I, yeah. I think at that point she's duplicitous Clara and, you know, she is and you you're you're kind of anxious to see how that plays out and it mm-hmm. plays out. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, I just all the emotional beats just add so much to the stakes. They all work. They're all earned through the season and everyone's just the top of the game. So such a, such a great one. Um, and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stop rewriting cold opens. <laughs> <laughs> do you promise? And I do. And I, I'm going to go to the only appearance in the list of a, of a non new who doctor. Although it is a new who cold open at number three, it's the night of the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of stretching it here because night of the doctor is not technically in our codex. Right. It's, it's a brief story, but of course, come on. Like it's you've you got know, to treat, include it. 
treat it as part of treat it as the cold open of Day of the Doctor, if you will. Because it's, yeah, you need it. You need. It, McCann. It's it's legendary. I mean, man, every Doctor Who fan who held a candle for the show during the wilderness years and mm. got invested in the TV movie, whatever you thought of it as an episode, you know, it was definitely Doctor Who had new life and that life was cruelly snuffed out. And McGann, who most people think was, was regardless of what you think of his one broadcast, was a fine doctor, uh, a good performer, did a, did a great job. Um, you were, you, you, you were uncorking the champagne at the end of that cold open. You were just like, boom, yes, he's here. I mean, yes, they'd already sort of made it canon that he was the doctor and a couple of like flashback type stuff in the series, but to see him back in the cockpit, back on screen, back as the doctor and in such a clever way. I mean, you know, yeah, like they, they, he, the, the quote unquote companion there, tease it up for him, you know? Stop going on about doctors. I'm a doctor. Probably not the one you were expecting. And just, oh, and perfect. We, I know we talked about this during the Day of the Doctor podcast, but you you were su- as surprised by this as I was because I had not heard anything about McGann's participation. Uh, so. Yeah, no, I was totally surprised. I think, mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember if someone had spoiled that it, this, when they gave me the link that this is the eighth doctor or whatever. I think I might've just gotten like, some note like you have to see this, you know, somehow in the YouTube link. And, and it was just like, Oh, oh my God. And then like, you know, turn off notifications, <laughs> expand yes. window, you know, yes. like and turn down the lights, close all doors. If you can, like I am watching this and only this yeah. right now. I don't care how long I didn't even look at the time code. Yeah, uh, I didn't care. Point, how long at that point you would even, t- I think it was at work. I think it was actually a mashable. <laughs> I probably was too. In that case, <laughs> we probably we probably uh, Slack channeled about it afterwards. But uh, well, I know but, I wrote yeah. about it. I was like, as yep. soon as I saw the, <laughs> the the thing in its entirety, I was like, okay, post going up immediately. Yep. And at that point, you are even even if you've got a date with Jenna Coleman herself, you are texting <laughs> her and saying, "Sorry, Jenna, something's come up." Uh, yeah. And speaking of Jenna Coleman, she is. The star, the only star, really, of our number two cold open of all time. It is the name of the Doctor. Mm. Clara Oswald split it in time at the end of Name <laughs> of the Doctor. So, no, we're going back to the beginning of Name of the Doctor. We see her being splintered in time. And do you yeah. remember your reaction to this one when you saw it at the time? I just... Well, I loved it, but I, I was, it was almost like uh dizzying sort of whizzing about love. Like that's what the whole cold open is trying to convey this kind of chaotic back and forth. I'm, I'm going throughout the doctor's timeline and you're kind of like right there along with it. I love that bit where you see the Colin Baker coat go by yes. in the background and you're just kind of like, Oh wow. Okay. And then, you know, it starts with the um, Gallifrey a long, long time ago. Right. Yes. There's all that stuff, which was really good. And and you Clara you see her appearing, appearing yeah. to William Hartnell. Yeah. I, wow. So good. You you see what would essentially be the, the first scene of Doctor Who. I think if Doctor Who had been from the start from 1963, a new Who show with a lot of budget, maybe this mm. would have been the opening scene, you know? Totally. 
And you just see, you know, that that just Moffat's really good at like mixing the like we already praised him about twice upon a time, but like the classic series with the new series and all the bits where, you know, Patrick Towton's running around. She's in the rearview mirror of Bessie with Pertwee. Um, we've we've even talked about this in Arc of Infinity when she falls forward and sees Peter Davison, and even the bit where she's, you know, uh, behind Tom Baker, all that stuff. It's like, oh wow, you know, like you're really going for this you're doing it and of course we've run with that baton now that he's established that she's he's been she's in every essentially every doctor who story up until the very beginning of him stealing yeah. the tardis we've that is a for those <laughs> long-time listeners or first-time listeners might not know that is a feature in our podcast to find where the clara splinter is each and every one of these but it's just it's one of the most satisfying cold opens and also like if you look at the time of the show when it was broadcast it's finally giving some answers and some closure to who Clara Oswald is and what her deal is. And it definitely delivers on that promise in this, uh, in this story, which was great. Uh, but also, you know, like doing that line right before the the credits, it's like Clara Oswald, I was born to save the doctor, you know, like that was cool. I'm the impossible yeah. girl. She also adds that I'm the impossible I'm girl. The and impossible, I was born to save yeah. the doctor. And yeah, I did like, by the way, the impossible girl called open with the leaf. Uh, from oh Yeah. Rings of Arcton. Uh, going to give a shout out. Let's get into some honorable mentions. Before we get into the number one, yeah. we're going to give honorable mentions. Uh, I did like that, the whole Impossible Girl thing. Uh, the the echo of the name of the Doctor, I was born to save the Doctor, I, I think, is the uh, is Rose at, uh, you know, Army of Ghosts Doomsday. Oh, yeah. Uh, telling us that this is how I died. Now, of course, that turns out to be a little bit clickbaity. Uh, is how she got into the list of the names of the dead, but you're definitely in it at that point. You're like, oh my god, Billy Piper is going to. She could be the next companion to die in Doctor Who. She could be the next Adric. What the hell? Hmm. Um, so you're definitely texting your date at that point. Uh, if you have SMS on your phone at that point, um, in uh, in 2005, 2006. Uh, but I do want to give because of the name of the Doctor. You just reminded me. I'm kind of adding honorable mentions that. <laughs> Which is familiar, does a, a little bit of the same thing. It's the whole, it's it's Missy with uh, Clara, who she's got hanging upside down, Missy sharpening a stick. Uh, and I love this cold open. This is, this is definitely top 20 for me. Uh, because it's, Missy is sort of telling a story about the Doctor with invisible assassins. And mm-hmm. she's like, it could be any regeneration of it or any any one of his faces and you briefly see like tom baker walking yeah. past william hartnell walking past which has it very much has that name of the doctor kind of vibes right yeah moffat uh, was great at that like i said yeah it's all good yeah that one that was a pretty good one um and it sort of teases you i mean you kind of know she's not going to stab clara yeah. um and you're kind of wondering but it does have, have close with that funny line of like we're i forget exactly what it is but we're going the Dalek city and they're super powerful. Yeah. And she's like, and we've got a pointy stick. Yes. <laughs> and and I think it actually, and I get a stick and she's like, get your own stick. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they start to bicker. Which <laughs> um, is, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun, but like, I do like the, the sort of resolution of uh, sort of the previous cliffhanger or this, just this explanation for like, you know, how people, if you see, see someone get disintegrated, how that could actually be, a teleport essentially. So that's, that's, he's kind of giving away the store there a little bit and like, yeah, the, yeah. But yeah. also kind of does explain how she got away at the end of death and heaven. 
retroactively. Yes. So that's exactly. nice. It's not just a master return or you know dying is just for little people. Like we do actually get some satisfaction about that. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so. I, I, I really, I really love that. And amazing after Magician's Apprentice, one of one of our favorite to to go to another kick-ass cold open, which is familiar. Again, just an example of how Moffat nailed it in the Capaldi era. So I I like a lot of the cold opens of the Tenant era uh, because I do really appreciate RTD's propensity for brevity. And like I said earlier, I don't deduct points if the Doctor isn't in the cold open. I, I care about Am I Hooked? Is this an interesting story? And uh, I would say one of the better ones uh, that really rates very highly for me is victory of the Daleks. Cause it's right. very short, but it tells such a clear story, like immediately, like just from the, the sirens and all the uniforms, like, Oh, this must be world war two. Oh, there's Churchill. These are the war, the war rooms. And then, Oh, okay. I get it. I, I know what this is. And then there's some quick dialogue about the stakes of some particular battle. And he says, okay, well, then let's uh, release the secret weapon. And someone pushes a little figurine of a Dalek to the uh, foreground, which, you know, uh, to me, like, whoa, like, boom, like, okay, this is cool. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a very neat Doctor Who situation where you're taking the number one monster, which, as far as we know, didn't conquer the Earth in World War II and is now involved in this sort of plot in history um, I don't need the doctor. I don't need a lot more storytelling than that. Um, and I just realized I've, I was praising RTD and this is a Moffat one. So anyway, I, I was say, before you write in folks, before you write, your, well, write it anyway. What the hell? Just leave us yeah. a YouTube comment. I think, uh, I think this was essentially written prior to him, like <laughs> taking over as far as I understand. But anyway, the, it's the, the shorter ones they, they work for me. So victory of the Daleks is yeah. a 10 for me. This is, it just tells a story. It's hooked me. I'm coming back after the credits. Interesting. I'm starting to learn that you, your cold open, cause this left me cold. I got to say, and I think, I feel like your perfect cold open reintroduces a doctor who monster right at the, at the sting. Um, it can, uh, so you got to do it correctly though. And, yeah. and again, you got to tell that story. You got to have something unexpected happen and you got to have, clear characters and uh, clear stakes. And uh, even though the, the entire stakes aren't involved here, but for introducing the Daleks in World War II, that's definitely gives you a sense of them. You know, I might have rated that one higher had it not been teased at the end of The Beast Below. Mm. Uh, we already know that we're that's going fair. to Churchill and there's the shadow yeah. of the Dalek. But I get it. That's a good one. Uh, I did want to give a shout out, and I just remembered it when we were talking about uh, the night of the Doctor and Paul McGann's return. The first, I believe, this was the first uh, confirmation we got uh, that uh, McGann was was officially in in, uh, in New Who canon was in uh, Human Nature. So that's what made made me think of Human Nature. Which right has, now, it's not right at the cold open, but it has Human Nature has one of the most memorable cold opens uh, and one of the most praised ones. That it's it does that time heist thing again echoes of cut smash cut from action adventure the doctor and martha trying to get away from someone or something we later learn it's the family of blood um and a smash cut to there in this uh they're in 1912 um 1914 i forget exactly when it is right uh, yeah me too and yeah. Uh, you know and he's just john smith he's just a teacher martha's just a maid 
uh, you know, maybe it hasn't necessarily doesn't really hold up to all of the, you know, high octane cold opens that came after it. But a nice no, it doesn't need to. You don't need, you know, you don't need all of the whiz bang. You can have like a nice calm cold open, and it would be super. Mellow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like what you said about time heist where you could start at the beginning and in the middle and sort of have both. And you could argue honestly, which is which in terms of which part, but it kind of has its cake and eats it too. I think it's, I think it's great. It's a great cold open. If, if I had any criticism at all, it's probably that like, um, maybe it's, you're, it's not because by sort of reversing the high octane to the slowness, you're, you're kind of feel a little weird. Uh, it's a little too much of a yo-yo because then you're sort of back into the time tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, but no, not really. I think I think it's it's outstanding. Human nature is a really, really, really uh, great one. Uh, could have easily right. made the list. Yeah, I'll, I'll just bring up the next one since that was my honorable mention, which is uh, super surprised by how much I enjoyed this one. Fires of Pompeii. Um, yeah. And we, we uh, y- yes, it is the Doctor and Donna, uh, Donna is getting short shrift on our list, unfortunately, but she she makes her a great cold open just wandering around Pompeii with a little of that kind of Bill Potts kind of attitude of like, oh, this is all new and let me test things out. And re- the, the TARDIS translates things. And is it so what if I talk Latin? Like she goes immediately to mm. what if I talk Latin to this Latin guy? What will I sound like? Oh, apparently you sound Welsh, says the doctor, <laughs> uh, which is just brilliant, brilliant, you know, nice meta reference to Doctor Who and BBC Wales. Um, but also, I'm going to give it a shout out for for a meta reason, uh, which is that it also contains Karen Gunn. That's true. Uh, who is following both of them through the marketplace in Pompeii? Well, it's also like it. It's funny that they do the callback to Jack Harkness's line too, mm. from way back in uh, the Doctor Dances, or it was Empty Child, one of those, where he ends up with like it's Pompeii and it's Volcano Day. Which is yep. his line of like, you always got to set your alarm for Volcano Day in Pompeii as a time agent or something. It's <laughs> kind of a terrible joke, but it's it's a kind of a neat, much better callback. So It also has a callback that may be one of the longest in Doctor Who history, even beating uh, Twice Upon a Time, because it calls all the way back to the Romans. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Because the Doctor says, oh yeah, that fire, it had nothing to do with me. That fire in Rome. Yeah, except it did. Except it did. Except we all know it did, and I did not know that at the time, and I do it now. Uh, So now I get to talk about a Davies (laughs) cold open, which isn't the the shortest, but it is really, really good. And it's the one in the next Doctor, and uh, this will probably wrap up our honorable mentions. But the next Doctor is so good on so many levels. One is just the visuals of it, and sort of i don't know if any cold open really conveys the i guess the wholesomeness is the wrong word because it sounds a little pejorative on this but like the christmasiness of a christmas (laughs) special because you have david Tennant just taking in christmas in victorian london for like a good minute or so like he's he's wandering around the square kids are running around there's decorations there's music there's snow there's a wraparound camera shot of tenant himself that is is just perfect it's like okay to return to him and he's got like a christmas bingo card (laughs) he's just like (laughs) you know carolers check 
Uh, yeah. yeah, but you're basically like, okay, Doctor Who plus Christmas. I get it. That's what we're doing. It's happening and it's going to be huge. And then immediately, of course, the crisis happens. Uh, Rosita is calling him and then and yells, the, the, yells the name Doctor. Yells the name Doctor. He comes. And then, of course, Tenet comes and then the Doctor comes and it's not him. And they're both there. And just it, it, this is almost a masterclass in editing of... Yeah. Uh, sort of the the mirror image of himself almost kind of doing the stuff and he's he's kind of even like the more cartoony buffoony version where claiming he's the best and he has a sonic screwdriver and then they both they, I wonder how many takes it took to get it right where they both pull out the sonic at the same time as the cyber shade comes out and they both you know say the line LLZ and it's just like okay it's this is going to be interesting and the, the other thing, so I, I think a good cold open really kind of overloads your brain. Uh, and we were kind of expecting it with the next Doctor. Like, there'd been some sort of chatter about, oh, or is he the really, David Morrissey really the, uh, the, 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 the next Doctor? And like, you know, yeah, because we knew, the we knew t- Exactly. So when and was that going to happen? we had Matt Smith's announcement at that point. So you're, you're prepared to be foxed and fooled and worried by that. But then also, to, to your point of, like, throw in a classic monster... The you get the cyber head on the door that they're mm. pointing their sonics at, yeah, and and this is one where it actually is a surprise because it's not in the title. <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. Although they did tease the Cybermen in the uh, the last uh, whatever it was, uh, uh, Journey's End. Yeah, so it was like Doctor Good Way back point. in the last in in the yeah. next Doctor, and they show a Cyberman walking. Um, so we knew they well, were coming. That's why it's just an honorable mention and not in our top ten list. Exactly, but, but it's time. Yep, time, folks, to reveal the number one. And this—it's uh, a surprise for me that this was a, a ten for both of us. Um, for me, it came from a—it comes from a trilogy. I should give you a clue. Uh, <laughs> one of the few trilogies that we've done. Uh, we absolutely loved it. It was a total Viscount banger. To give you another clue. And it's the middle episode of that trilogy. Ladies it is and drums. None other than the sound of drums. Yeah. And I had a hard time. I got to say, I got a hard time really doing any sort of uh, top 10 list. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of my, I, I got as far as like, here are the 15 and like, don't ask me to pick between my favorite. <laughs> oh, but we and, did. Oh, but we did. <laughs> We did, and we got there. But I, uh, all of this is uh, preface to say that I also had Utopia on that list with you mm-hmm. know Jack Harkness jumping onto the TARDIS, TARDIS running forward in time further than it's ever gone before to the end of the universe. Um, but then Sound of Drums kind of really ups the ante, and it does everything a cold open should do. For, for, for one thing, it is, it is a little bit clickbaity in the style of the next Doctor, right? Because we kind of we've it's kind of a, a one giant leap, and they were free from hmm. the end the end of Utopia, where they were kind of trapped. Yeah. Like suddenly, oh, they're suddenly they're appearing in London, and then we see in flashback that the Doctor, oh, of course, the Doctor used Jack's uh, time wristband device. Yeah, it's cool because it's, again, another one of those that sort of recaps the previous episode by having the the events of this one uh, sort of directly reference it anyway. So you don't need the actual recap. So that works. That's a nice plus. Um, but obviously, it's all leading up to that fantastic reveal uh, of John Sim as the master 
as as the prime minister and it's great tenants reaction is great the whole lead up to it is is with all the signs saying vote saxon uh and of course it ends with the classic line i mean just delivered picture perfect by john sim you know what this country really needs right now is a doctor and then evil grin Evil grin, and you got to think because because that adds the extra layer of of brain breakingness of like the master, the you know following the doctor, like the master, the master prime minister, the master's wife, <laughs> yeah. see him Quite making a great out with Lucy Saxon, and and then that moment of winking at camera, you you got to wonder within the story itself, does the master somehow know? that the doctor is there. Does he yeah. know already? Oh my God. No, he doesn't know. No, we talked about this at the yeah. time. You yeah. can listen to the podcast. He doesn't know. No, but he also knows. So it's like, he, you know, he didn't see the doctor dead. He's going to be back. But it's also, yeah, like this, that's the ultimate, that is showing the master's character more than, sorry, Roger Delgado, anything in Roger Delgado, because it's like, he needs the doctor to see him. Mm-hmm. He's nothing. If he's not seen by the doctor, if he's not making a winking reference to the doctor at all times, um, yeah, I, totally I gets it. Love it. I love it. I also love that it manages to contain the sound of drums. Uh, right. A uh, homeless person in a corner tapping them on a on a uh, on a tin cup, which is just you know teases again what the why the episode is going to be called that, uh, and and prepares us for the smash cut into the theme tune now revealed to be the sound of drums. Yeah. No, it just it ticks all the boxes. I mean, it's not too long. It tells a great story. Something unexpected definitely happens, probably more than once. Um, and well, and it hooks you. It, no question, it hooks you. You are not going on that date. You are not <laughs> going to dinner. You're not probably never going on a date again because this episode's going to just blow you away it's, so much. It's oh, it's so all great. you're ever going to be able to talk about with your future dates. You'd be like, oh my god, yeah. did you see? And your date would be like, no, what are you talking about? Of course I didn't see the sound of drums. would be like, I'm sorry, I have to leave the restaurant right now. Well, you just turn around the laptop you have open in front of her. It's like, <laughs> that's Because you're going to bring it with you everywhere. Hey, presto, another Doctor Who fan created. Well, guys, we hope that we met the criteria of a cold open. We hope that that was an unexpected win for you. We hope that it was controversial. And that this is a big sting for you, a big slap in the face as we approach the credits. But it doesn't have to end there, because Polter Open is interactive, and you can reach out to us on any of the socials. Tell us what your favorite cold open was, please. Get that conversation going. We want to hear it. There is no wrong answer. As you've seen, we ourselves are almost coming to fisticuffs over some of these cold <laughs> opens. So get in it. Decide what yours is, or your top ten even. You know, there's no word limit on all of these comments. Just, just totally. them all in. Make your own spreadsheets. And uh, yes, Pete, where can the fine folks find us if they want to leave this comment and they're outraged at us? You can find us at youtube.com slash pull to open. You can find us on Twitter and Blue Sky and Threads and Facebook at pull to open 63. Oh, no, wait, I said Blue Sky. Blue Sky, we're at pull to open as well. Uh, we're at pull to open 63 pretty much everywhere else except TikTok, which is also pull to open anywhere. Any of those guys, go ahead, drop us a line. Give us some thoughts on your cold, on the cold opens of the show and uh, what you think makes a successful cold open. Maybe you have different criteria. We'd love to know about it. And come on back next week when we will evaluate the seeds of death in all of its non-cold opening 
glory. Yes, and this is our cold open to the seas of death because it is fast approaching us, folks. Those, se- those six episodes are on the way. No, save us from seeds of death. <laughs> we'll see you then, folks. Take care. <laughs>